Father God, thank you that you love us and that you have set us free as we choose to be a part of your family, God. Thank you for that love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you so much for the worship team. Just wonderful music, sharing their skills with us, um, their gifts. Yeah. So as Ron shared a few moments ago, we've been in this series, Living in the Current of Grace, uh, since really the beginning of the new year. And um, it's an idea that, that continues to bless us, but also confound us a great deal. Like, exactly what does this mean and what does this look like? Uh, we've mentioned a number of times that Dallas Willard has defined grace as grace is God acting in our life to do what we can't do on our own. And uh, grace may be defined as the unmerited or undeserving favor of God to those who are under condemnation. It's really this gift that God gives us to us. And, you know, the last two weeks, Ron has also talked about um, these, these two cycles, the cycles of work and the cycles of grace. And the cycle of works is really that it's what we do in most of our lives. We try to achieve significance or achieve great things in order to earn significance, right? Do great things and then we'll earn significance. And hopefully then we'll get God's acceptance and the acceptance of others. The cycle of grace, however, is that God gives us acceptance and significance because he loves us, simply because he loves us. And it's a gift of grace. We don't earn it by doing great things. All that grace and love showered on us by God gives us then the desire and the power to respond. And we can respond to that grace by serving God, uh, by following him, by imitating Jesus and taking his mission as our own. Well, that's a little bit of a, of a context for where we're at today because um, today's message, the title is The Responsibility of Grace. Now, I pause for a second because it's kind of an uh-oh opportunity, you know, because grace sounds very peaceful and very graceful, and responsibility sounds very works-oriented, you know. You've got a responsibility, something that you have to do. So how does that make any sense? We're talking about grace ah, and responsibility at the same time, and somehow they join together. Well, today we're, we're going to be talking about sharing Jesus, and you can call it outreach, you can call it witnessing, you can call it evangelism. And uh, for a few of you, those words get you excited. This is how you're wired and you're right there. But to others of you, and maybe to many of you, those words stir up different other feelings. Uh, maybe it's fear, it's uncertainty, it's apathy, it's, it's, I say, and here we start. I say the word responsibility, and I've said the word evangelism, and for some of you, that's strike two, and I'm only two minutes into my talk, right? Responsibility and evangelism, you're wondering if it's too soon for you to make a dodge out to the lobby, head for the bathroom for the next 30 minutes. Right, you know, we're in that process here. Pastor John's going to tell me I need to stand on the street corner and share Jesus. He's going to drop the hammer, and that's going to make me feel guilty. And grace is now out the window, replaced by guilt and the dreaded cycle of works that we've been talking about that God doesn't desire for us. And so instead of heading for the bathroom, I mean, if, if, unless you need to. <laughs> don't, don't mean to cramp, yeah, cramp that style or whatever there, but... But I want you to hang on instead for, for just a few moments um, to see if God can capture attention in your heart through, through something that I've, I've kind of been wrestling with recently. I just got back from my 10th trip to Uganda, and this is actually a shirt from Uganda that, that someone said, I, you need to wear that this morning. And um, back in January, we got back. It's been about a month. And it dawned on me, as it has the last few times, that when you're on mission in Africa or someplace like that, it's incredibly easy to live your life on mission because you're on a mission. 
and you get up in the morning, sometimes very early, and you get up, and the first thing you do is go, you're aware that you're different place, different sights, different sounds, different smells, different situation. It's not always comfortable, and you're just very aware that God is here, and so you start your morning with this, God, what do you have today? And, and how do you want to include me today? And you get up and you see people and you hug them and you love on them and you pray. You have a quiet time and it's rich and you journal and you spend your day doing what God wants you to do. Usually is led by the pastor or somebody, but you just, you do that. And sometimes you're stretched in ways you don't want to be stretched, but you do it because you're on mission and it's why you're here and you, you let God use you in ways that blows your mind. And, and then you come back and you share with the group and then nighttime and sometimes you stay up incredibly late. And again, your mind is active and you're journaling and you go to sleep with God on your mind and the next day you wake up and you go God I'm here because you've given me this gift and what does today have for us and you see the process and then you come back here and and you go back to the same old way which is occasionally you think about God and occasionally you get some Bible time and even those people that you went on a mission with and hugged so firmly there becomes kind of a hey and a wave across the lobby and I wonder why it changes I wonder why this experience of being on mission in your life when you're on a mission can't somehow be realized and captured and then held on to back here. And I guess it's my growing conviction that it can, and it's my growing desire that that's what I want my life to be more and more, just all the time. It's so easy there. It's hard to go. Many of you go, I would never go to Africa or Mexico or wherever. But I got to tell you, it's so easy to see God and to be on mission there and then to come back here and say, God, why is it any different here? Does it have to be different? You see, it all starts with grace back here in Grass Valley, Nevada City, Penn Valley, your area. It starts with grace, just like we've been talking about in the series. And because of God's grace, because of this grace that we've been talking about that he showered on us, we get to adopt, we get to adopt the mission of Jesus evangelism, outreach, witnessing, sharing Jesus. It isn't what we have to do, but it's, it's the overflow of understanding who he is, his purpose, and then how he produces that in us, the growing understanding of that. It's, it's meant to be a natural and a normal part of our everyday life as a follower of Jesus. See, today I don't want to talk to you about a new program of something you need to add to your already too busy life. Many of us have lives that are too busy. This is really a lifestyle change that we're talking about, that I'd like to talk about, that I want to continue to discover. Learning to incorporate Jesus' mission um, in what you're already doing, what life already is. And uh, by the way, a little, little plug, I'll be teaching starting this Tuesday at our Grow University. I'll be teaching a five-week class dealing with just this very thing. Uh, how can we do this as a part of our everyday lives? Everyday mission for everyday people. Okay, that's really kind of the subtitle of the thing. And so I'd invite you to join, join me if you have the next five Tuesdays to come join me as we discover and develop this together. There's a table out in the lobby there. You can sign up if you're interested. But um, I will tell you this. It's not going to be me, the expert, teaching you. It's going to be us discovering it together because God is, is working this in my life too invite you to join me. Well, I want to dive in today, and so you have your outline there, and we've had a chance to get started. If you want to fill in some blanks and read some verses and stuff, you're welcome to do that, but I want to dive in because God gives us grace. It's this huge, overflowing, immeasurable amount of grace that we've been talking about, and then it prompts a response, and that's what we're going to talk about today is this response or our, this responsibility, which is, I like this definition, responsibility 
our ability to choose a response. Okay, so we're going to talk about the, what our ability to choose a response and what it might be. So what is our responsibility to God's grace? Well, first of all, our responsibility is to receive it and celebrate. Receive it and celebrate. Now, this, this sounds like we're rewinding the clock a bit and talking about what we've mentioned the last bunch of weeks, and it is. But that really sets the table for where we're going to eat today, okay? Because he offers his grace, that's forgiveness from sin, that's new life and eternal life, and it's a gift, and you, we choose to receive it. That's, again, the response so that you have the ability to choose. I am able to choose that response. God won't force his grace on you. It's offered as a gift, and you can say, well, thank you. I'm going to believe that, and by faith, I'm going to grab a hold of that. Many of you here today have done that at some point in your lives. Others, you have that opportunity. He's not going to force it on you. You admit you need it, and you take it. Receive it and then celebrate. And really, that's where it begins. Your opportunity to choose that response is to celebrate. You know, the Bible says that the angels party when we, when we receive God's grace, okay? So his free gift of salvation in Jesus, so should we in Luke 15 in several places. But Luke 15, it says, in the same way I tell you, Jesus is speaking, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so I talk with people when they come to, come to that point of saying, yeah, I want Jesus in my life. And like the angels are going, woohoo! Partay, you know, and the streamers are going off, and there's bells and whistles, and they're like, they're dancing up there. They don't care if you win the lottery, they really don't. <laughs> Doesn't get a whoop or a holler or barely an attention, but boy, one person, you, someone you know, says, Yes, Jesus, I want to receive the grace, and it's 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 all over. I mean, it's going on, the party is happening there, okay? So you can do that. Your responsibility with grace is first of all just to receive it and then to celebrate. Well, secondly, our responsibility is to, once we've received it, we celebrate it, is to rest in it. That's a responsibility, to rest in it, be saturated in it, in this current of grace, to grow in it. It's as you rest, as those things happen, and then growth can begin. So you don't work for it, you rest in it. And, and, and grow in it. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, once we receive God's gift of grace, it naturally, it, it wants to take root, right? And, and it grows us deeper into, into Jesus. And we can start developing this really beautiful, developed root system. You can kind of picture this happening, sinking down and deep and firm. And we start becoming more and more like Jesus but you see, as the roots go down, the branches want to go up and out. That, that's going to be the natural response to that. Deeper roots demand to develop branch system. And the branch system demand the deeper roots that go on. It's, so that leads us to our next responsibility. We get to pass it on. We get to pass it on. And I say get to because it really it's a responsibility that we can choose, our ability to choose a response. But as our roots go, roots go down, as we grow into God, the branches go up and out. And those are the branches that grow and bloom, our passing on grace. This grace that we've received, we continue to understand and to just flourish in. As we become more like Jesus and we grow deeper into him and we get, we get to take on his mission. Okay, Our lives take on the purpose of his life. We just start resembling him. God invites us to give grace to a lost world, to love with grace, to speak with grace, to pass his grace on to others. In Acts 1.8, just again, there's so many verses on this stuff. I had to just shrink, shrink, shrink things down to get to things, but pick some powerful ones. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Mm. 
and you will be my witnesses. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, it says that you receive God's gift of grace, which includes the Holy Spirit. That's God himself coming into your life, and then you spread your branches. You get the Holy Spirit, and he starts coming into you and saturating, and you get to start digging your roots down, and they start going, and sometimes we end up focusing down here, and God says, you're, you're forming roots so that you can support this, and the branches start going out, and it starts being beautiful, and, and it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. You impact the world around you with what's above the ground. Above the ground doesn't exist with, without what's underneath, but this is what impacts the world, and it can happen all the time. See, passing on the grace we receive, that's the mission that Jesus gives us. That's our responsibility. You have the ability to choose your response to this, to God saying, I want you to pass on grace. What's your response? I want you to pass it on. How do you respond to that? You have an ability to choose, to say yes. Now, the Bible has much to say about this mission. Again, many, many verses. I just wanted to focus on one verse this morning for some principles to follow. And I kind of tried to pick something that I wasn't so familiar with, but I just kept coming back to where God wanted it, not where my creativity wanted it. So we're going to take a look at 1 Peter 3.15. We're going to go a little bit beyond that, but as God's life mission for us. And so that's what's printed there in your outline. And so we'll go. On. We, God says you have the ability to receive the grace, celebrate it, grow in it, and then pass it on. Now, to pass it on, grace prompts us to do the things we see in 1 Peter 3.15. So again, continue in your outline. First of all, as we pass it on, we set apart Jesus as the Lord of your whole life. That's really where it starts, is to set apart Jesus. It, that's in the, can you, <laughs> I'm not to the verse yet. <laughs> Back to the slide or ahead to the slide. There we go. Set apart Jesus as the Lord. That threw me for a second. I look up at the slide and it was not where I was. Um, to, uh, so set apart Jesus as the Lord of your whole life. And uh, again, these next bunch of bullet points are taken from this verse. So now we're going to go ahead and look at 1 Peter 3.15. Thank you very much in the back. You guys do such a great job, guys and gals. Uh, this is the whole verse here that we're going to be pulling this from. It says this, but in your hearts, deep inside, that's your heart, your whole life, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we'll be looking at this verse and pulling out some principles about passing on. So this first one here is to set apart Jesus as the Lord of your whole life. So honoring Christ in your heart means to set apart Christ as Lord. And that means that, that, <laughs> that he doesn't have to compete with all the other things vying for attention in your life. If you set him apart as Lord, if you honor him as Lord, it's like you're, you're on the throne. You're in the driver's seat. And, and it's not a competition he doesn't have to, to compete with, with media and with family and with friends and with work and with recreation, with relationships and on and on. The other things, some of those things are really good, but Jesus doesn't have to compete with those. He shouldn't have to compete with those. When he is set apart and honored as the Lord of your hearts and your life, it just starts there. And all these other things are a part of that life that God blesses us with. When you do this, when you honor Christ in your heart completely, it will show in the way that you live. You will live differently. Saying that he's the Lord of your life, of your heart, means that he's your leader. And that simply means when he's your leader that you follow him. You, you do what he does. You imitate him. So, so it looks like this. You love like he loves. And, and you have true compassion for, for all others. That's been our sticker here that we did. And we've talked about love everyone 
always, right? And so love everyone always. And, and so you don't just have love for everybody, but you actually show love. Darn it. <laughs> you know, don't just have, oh, I have lots of love in my heart, but it actually shows. And you live with integrity and you live humbly and you, you're real with others so that people will experience Jesus through you. Setting apart Jesus, honoring Christ as the Lord of your heart, of your life, means that you're going to start looking like him, and you're going to start making a difference, and, and, and it's going to be a, a, a special thing. Now, secondly, from 1 Peter 3.15, just moving on through the verse, grace prompts us to always be prepared to speak. <laughs> and I'm going to have you write down the word, which means now. Always be prepared to speak, which means now. And... Um, Always be prepared to speak. There we go. And so it's very important to live showing the grace of God. We just talked about that. Is he's, is he's the Lord of your life, on your heart, in your heart. He, he's going to show. You're going to live with humility. You're going to live with integrity, the things we've talked about. But, and actions usually come first before words, and they need to usually. But here's the key. <laughs> Talk is needed. Talk is needed. A, a, a life lived with grace that doesn't ever explain that grace is incomplete. And this is where sometimes we get a little bit uncomfortable. There's a quote, and I had to look this back up. It's not been attributed completely, but is usually attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Francis of Assisi. And you maybe have heard this, and maybe you've said this. Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Have you heard that? Preach the gospel. And, and you know what? I've heard people say that, and there's sometimes it's like, oh, that's really cool. In other words, he's encouraging you to live like Jesus. But folks, to preach the gospel, listen, it's always necessary to use words. Did you understand what I said? To show people what Jesus is like, you can live that way. But to truly preach and to share the gospel and to, uh, for people to understand what grace is, you have to say something. What do you say? When do you say? Who do you say it? All those things. That's negotiable. That's what we start looking to the Holy Spirit for. But not, God, do you want me to say something? Don't bother praying that. He's telling you, do it. You, you're supposed to do it. Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give a defense, to give the reason, as it says, for the hope that you have. First um, Thessalonians 2.13 says, When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is work in you believers. I just listed a few verses as I did, did, my, did my message here to say it's here. You, when you received it, which you actually heard, that was the whole point. And Romans 10 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What an awesome promise. I turn to Jesus, everybody. doesn't matter your age, your gender, what you've done in the past. He forgives you. He will save you. And then, but then he says, how then can they call on the one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? you got to hear it. That's why I'm saying that, that, that just living life, excuse me, living life is awesome, but stopping there isn't enough. And how can they hear without someone, and the word they use is preaching to them. Now, don't worry that it's like get up front and preaching like the preacher. That just means speaking, speaking truth, speaking out. So they, they can't get there without somebody actually saying something. And this idea of talking about Jesus, it's not later, it's now. Always be prepared means you need to prepare. <laughs> if you're always going to be prepared, you need to prepare. So it takes some planning, maybe strategizing, practicing, even looking for the opportunity. And that word always to me is real significant. That means, to me, that means now. Because don't wait till later, you know, he, being prepared to speak today. Because today is a part of always, isn't it? 
Always means now and forever and ever. Amen. And so he's saying, it's time to be ready, folks. It's time, time to be ready. Now, grace prompts us to live like Jesus and then speak. What exactly should I say? Does grace prompt me to hammer people over the head with the Bible until they're black and blue? Ah, but it was good. It was the Bible. No, it doesn't say that. Here's what it does say. Say It does say, tell about the hope you have in Jesus. Tell about the hope you have in Jesus. That's what this verse says. It's, it's, it's right there. It's saying you need to do it. Set apart Christ as Lord. So how you live, always be prepared. Now you've got to prepare for this to give the reason for the, the hope that you have. Do you have hope? If you have Jesus, you, you have hope. That the verse says that it's in you if you have Jesus. And so I'd ask, do you understand it? Are you in touch with it? Do you, do you really have and grasp that hope? And oh my goodness, there's so many verses in the Bible on hope. I, I just added a few into my talk. If you want to jot down the references, you can. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5 to 7, it says, God saved us. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You picture this washing and rebirth whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You receive Jesus, and the washing and the rebirth happens as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So that having been justified by his grace, there it is, his grace comes in and declares you righteous. Then it says, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. The hope of a changed life and the hope of eternal life. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Twin Cities Church, be the hope. We've been about that now for quite a while with the cards and the saying to say, God gives us hope and we can be the hope. 2 Corinthians 3.12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we do indeed. We are very bold. And on and on it goes. I, I had to cut this down just to list a few that say that there's so many verses that say, you have the hope. The hope is in you. Do you understand the hope? You carry the hope. You want to be ready to pass it on. If you, if you carry the hope of forgiveness, of new life, of eternal life, a transformed heart and a renewed vision and a new vision and a new purpose, then, then share that. You don't have to have the answer for every apologetics question that comes your way. You don't. That's not what that verse says. Always be prepared to give the reason for every single question that every intellectual will ever ask you. Don't talk to anyone until you have all the answers. It's not what it says. Be prepared to talk about the hope. Talk about the celebration. Talk about the grace that he's given inside of you. Just know the hope. It's not, it's not something to argue about, even. You know, because we, oh, I don't want to get into an argument. I have hope. No, you don't. Well, yes, we do. No, it, 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 it's not an argument. This is, this is what I found. This is what I hold on to, what I cling to, what has changed me. It's something simply to celebrate. Now, grace prompts us to pass it on with one caution here in 1 Peter 3. And the caution is this, to do it gently and respectfully. Do it gently and respectfully. And, and so the how we share is huge. You know, when we share and with whom, absolutely. But, but most importantly, how we share what we share. And, and Pastor Ron read these verses early out of Colossians 4. And I chose them because they're beautiful. And also they are a part of our church prayer for this year. It says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, we want to honor people. We want to value people. And so write people, write words, write time, and do it in a nice way. Because smashing someone isn't a win. I took an, uh, a, um, a Cults of America class, my first class I took in seminary. That was fun. A lot of years ago. And I took it from this West Coast expert on just cults. He's an author of books, and he was so smart. Man, I got into that. Man, I learned how to talk to Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and all these weird other things out there and stuff. And man, if someone came to my door and he would share stories about this, unfortunately, I never did it because I heard him share this. He said, in my early days, people would come to my door, and I wouldn't tell them who I was and what I knew. And I just destroyed them. It was awesome. They came with these basic things that they were trained. This is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then they're finally like, I, I, you win, I lose. And they would just leave disillusioned. I won. He said, what did I win? I didn't win. I didn't pass on the love and the grace of Jesus. I smashed them. Made me somehow feel good, like victory in Jesus. (laughs) So it it has let me know that I don't have to share everything I know. And and the way that I share it and do it is really, really important. That I can listen. Sometimes listening is way more important than talking. Listen to someone's heart and try to tap into that. And looking for the right time and the right way, however... Sometimes some of us don't ever get to that point. Well, I didn't share with that person because it never felt like the right time. I didn't have the right way to do it. I've known them for 17 years and been praying for them, but still I'm looking for that right time. You know what? Time is now, okay? Because sometimes that or I want to do it in the right way and the right time can become an excuse and become that, that, that methodology that just gets in the way because Colossians 4 says to make the most of every opportunity, Make the most of every opportunity so the time is there. So God's gift of grace prompts us to receive it and celebrate, to grow in it, and to pass it on. Um, and, and that's both with our lifestyle but also with our words. And I think sometimes that's where we get stuck. Sure, I receive Jesus, God's gift of grace, but it's the pass it on part that doesn't seem to happen all that well, you may say. Isn't that the job of you pastors or the people gifted in evangelism and missionaries type? No, it's not. Well, you know, actually it is. Yes, it's my responsibility, but it's also the responsibility of every person who's made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility, our ability to choose a response. God says, here's grace. I want you to pass it on. What do you choose? You get to choose. I want to take a look at some common problems that may get in the way of passing on grace. Okay, so what can get in the way of passing on grace? First of all, shallow roots shallow roots. We talked about that root system as it goes deep. It wants to grow branches and those happen. So the first issue might be maybe just an underdeveloped root system. Okay, what does that look like? If there's no growth in Jesus, you will stay in a place of, of I'll just say it, immaturity and even ignorance. You just, you, you don't know and you don't know better and you haven't grown there. And so it's, that's the truth. So as you dig into Jesus, he'll lead you to become like him as you get closer to him and spend time with him. And so some of us really haven't taken many steps with Jesus since we prayed that first salvation prayer, whether that was recently, but maybe it was a while ago. And I just, and then life just kind of crowded things out and we just don't have a root system there. And if that's you, I pray more that you go share with your neighbor today. I pray that you pursue Jesus 
and, and you see him pursuing you first and foremost. So you need to fall in love with him so that he can change you. Because attention to the root system needs to happen there. But that, remember, that comes through the receiving, celebrating, resting, and letting him saturate you. So shallow roots of just, of, of, not, of not knowing Jesus barely. And that's really immature and ignorance. Another obstacle can, with shallow roots can be um, apathy. Just flat out, I'm not so sure that I care. Um, some of us, if we don't seem to care about those that don't know Jesus, um, if you can be honest with yourself, if that's you, it shows that maybe you've never taken on the mission of Jesus. Okay, you took his forgiveness, you took his love, and maybe even you know some of his values or morality, but but his mission somehow got lost. Um, I see in places in Scripture where Jesus would look at people and he would he would he would weep, and not just a tear a glistening tear came to his eye, but when it says that he would weep, but I'm going, what's going on there? Just that that moment of Jesus seeing and going. Well, these are people lost without a shepherd, and they don't know better, and some of them don't want it anyway. And it hurt his heart. Bummer for you, Jesus, you know, that you feel so strongly. Do I feel that strongly? If I walk down Grass Valley or Nevada City streets and see people around, am I a little bit offended by the dress and the language and all that, or do I really, does my heart just hurt? I want it to hurt. I don't. I, I want to weep over the loss instead of just ignoring other people or seeing them as inconveniences or weird or out there or, you know, whatever. That's apathy, which can be a shallow root issue. Another shallow root issue, I would say, is busyness. See, I think sometimes we think we have too much going on to fit this sharing stuff in. It's just one more thing to do. And again, I, I'm kind of tossing out the idea that I'm not adding a program of one more thing to do in addition. I'm just saying, let's change the way we live. Let's change the things that we talk about. Um, if we do think we're too busy, we see that our agenda really trumps his. And it's because we have shallow roots, you know? I, I don't have time for the important things to you, God. My stuff's more important, is kind of what we're saying. As important as it is, I'm not so sure it's more important than God's. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> Another thing that we can get in the way of passing on grace, and this perhaps is the biggest issue for many of us, is fear. I'll just go ahead and throw it out. I saved this one for last just for fun. Fear is a huge issue, and it's, a, it's really, a, if I can say it, it's a tool of the devil. If perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in, in God at all. How many times do you see, be strong and courageous, be courageous, do not be afraid. Do, God's saying it all the time. Fear isn't me. God says. And for us, though, it becomes a part of our lives where fear of looking stupid, fear of not knowing enough, fear of being rejected, fear of being embarrassed, fear of failure, being judged, not having the answers, of offending someone, of getting involved in someone's life that will take too much of my time in the future. I don't want to step out too much. What if they start, you know, involving me too much? And the main problem with all these fears, it's pretty obvious, is that fear can paralyze you. Fear can paralyze you. It's kind of like the way a tiger roars, and a tiger hunts, excuse me, and they found that not even just the sound, but the low, some of the low tones, the resonance and stuff is there that in a roar, the prey goes, and then the tiger feasts. 
If I make that huge roar noise, you kind of, they freeze and they do it. And so that's kind of what happens with us is I should share. <laughs> there went my opportunity, but all those fears of looking stupid, looking bad, being rejected, not having the answers, moment's gone, moment's gone. That can be that huge wall, that barrier, the fear can paralyze. And what I see, even in my own life, folks, because fear is something that I, get, that I battle with, is that when we give into that fear over and over, it becomes a habit. All of a sudden, I'm not even actively open for passing in God's grace because I'm just, I know what's going to happen. I think about it, I'm going to be afraid, I'm not going to do it, so I'll just, I'll just bypass all that process and just smile. Fear can become a, become a habit, and we don't pass on the grace that God has entrusted to us. And so I think for some of us, it's time to admit today that fear has a hold on us in this area. You know, that fear of sharing Jesus, it paralyzes us. And so we need to look for God's perfect love to cast out that fear and be able to say that, God, I realize this is a responsibility. I can choose my responsibility to choose my response to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this step. See, fear is what it is as a barrier for passing on God's grace. Well, some final thoughts, and it says that in your outline as we wrap up today. First of all, we are responsible, and this is supposed to help you go, <sighs> we are responsible to pass on grace, but it's God's responsibility to reach hearts for him. I had you writing God's because that's the big deal. It's God's responsibility. See, some of us may have a fear of, oh, what if I take a chance and I share about my life in Jesus and they don't say yes to Jesus? Oh, my goodness, I'm a failure then. Wait, what? I love this verse. I found it many, many years ago. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Now, I walked away from my notes because I like that verse so much I memorized and it's there. Now it is required, not suggested, not an opportunity. It's required that those who have been given a trust and you have been given a trust as a follower of Jesus. He's handed you grace and said, so would you pass it on? And what he's asked for you to do is to, you must prove perfect. Well, that's not what it says. You must never fail. What is failure? You must prove faithful. He says, I'm the one who provides the fruit. I'm the one who provides the results. You just prove faithful through this, okay? You don't have to be perfect. You don't do the work of the Holy Spirit. Just prove faithful, and I can do that. I can take that little step. I'll just try to be faithful, God. I put in here... Uh, a little summary of Acts 2, 42 to 47. And basically, it's a description of how the church lived contagiously, the early church. They lived in love and community. They lived publicly and exuberantly. And then the quote of verse 47, and God added to their number daily. So we can sometimes go, gosh, if we aren't, people aren't coming to leave, living for Jesus every day. We're doing something wrong. No, no, no. Who added to their numbers daily? Does it say the outreach pastor added to their numbers daily? <laughs> the evangelism team, the missionaries? It's not what it says. God added to their numbers daily. It's going to be his job to do that. We just put the grace out there through our conversation, through our lives. We put it out there. And then your final, final thought. The, the two daily questions that really I would say that you can start asking tomorrow morning, if not even today, Jesus, what are you up to today? And how do you want me to join you? Two questions to ask, and, and really every morning, to kind of like be on mission, like you might do if you're in Africa or someplace. Jesus, what are you doing today in the lives of the people around me? And, and how do you want me to join you? 
This is how you don't have to go do something different. These are the people that are in your lives. To join Jesus on his mission, all we really have to do is enjoy, observe and enjoy the people around us, listen to them, and then recognize and respond to what Jesus is already doing in their lives. God, who do you want me to pass your grace on to today? I feel as I prepared this message as I close, it's like there's so much here and, and so really good timing that, like I say, that I get to start on Tuesday, this five-week five week class, to talk in more detail about what does that look like, more detail, what does it look like in your world today, living everyday life on mission, everyday people, everyday mission, just as if we were on a missions trip or it would be so easy. Is that possible in my life today as I understand grace, received in it, grow in it, and then just learn to, to pass it on. I believe so. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, our time together today. And God, more than anything, I thank you for your grace. Um, I don't understand it, Lord. I mean, I do intellectually a little bit, but really internalizing it and making sense of it and resting it is so hard for me, God. Father, I would just pray that we would understand now that you're not pushing us back towards a cycle of works that says, I have to get out and share Jesus or, or get kicked out of the kingdom or, or not be loved by God as, by you as much, Lord. But that just understanding that it's my choice. I, can, I have the ability to choose the response of passing on this grace that you've given to us, Lord. Of being able to, to tell, show and then tell others about Jesus in very real ways, God knowing that as someone receives that grace, they then get the chance to pass that on as well, mimicking each one of us as we've modeled our lives after Jesus. Lord, may you remove the barriers, the roadblocks, the fear, the apathy, the ignorance, the, the busyness, Lord, and help us see it what it is. We choose to follow you in Jesus' name, amen.